Hi there, it's Nikki. I wanted to take a quick minute to make sure you knew about our free on-demand copywriting training. Whether you're brand new to copywriting or you just can't seem to hit your income goals, this training is for you. You'll learn the three secrets to landing freelance copywriting work without wasting time on frustrating job bidding sites like Upwork and Fiverr or cold calling strangers. And if you've listened to any of the student stories on this podcast, this is the exact same training they all got started with. I'm talking about Kate Kay, who's making six figures working part-time and who just retired her husband to help her run the business. Stuart, who replaced his full-time salary with freelance copywriting work, and then some. Stacy, who hit six figures in six months, her very first year as a full-time freelancer. Ashley, who landed the in-house copywriting job of her dreams. They all started with this free training, and you can get started with that same training too. Sign up right now at freecopywritingtraining.com. Welcome to the Build Your Copywriting Business podcast, where you'll get tips, tools, and training for new and aspiring copywriters, plus a few things even the established pros will want to know. My name is Nikki Krawczyk, and I've been a copywriter for more than 15 years, writing for multi-billion dollar companies down to solopreneurs and every size business in between. The Filthy Rich Writer team and I are here to teach you everything we've learned in our years in the industry so that you can craft a successful copywriting career of your own. To us, being filthy rich means having a job you love, being good at what you do, and making great money doing it. Let's dig in. Welcome back, everybody. Hey, Kate. Hey. So today we are going to talk about why clients want you to pitch them. I know that sometimes when we start talking about pitching, copywriters get a little nervous. They don't like the idea. Scary. Mm -hmm. They don't like the idea of hopping into somebody's inbox, um, begging for work. And that is not at all what pitching is, or at least the way that we teach pitching. Now, we talked about why job bidding sites are a terrible way to go. And we started to kind of hint at the alternative. Today, we're going to talk about that alternative. We're going to talk about pitching clients, why clients want you to pitch them, and why it's a great interaction for both you and for the clients. So I would actually like to begin with a little bit of a story, um, which uh, actually involves Julie, who is our, um, our podcast editor, among many other wonderful things. So about... A year ago, maybe closer to like nine or 10 months, I realized that I needed some help. I needed customer service help. I needed a Pinterest manager. I needed social media help. As it turns out, I needed a podcast editor. Um, Julie is a jack of many trades. She's fantastic. Uh, But I needed all of those things and I needed them at that moment. And the very next emotion I had after realizing that I needed all of these different people was overwhelm and frankly, a little bit of annoyance. Yeah, because now I had to go out and find these people. I was already busy, already busy enough that I needed to bring more people into the business. And now I was going to have to go do more work to actually go out and find these people and vet these people and research these people. Um, And I am not alone in this as 
any business owner can tell you when they get to the point that they realize that they have an issue that needs to be solved, maybe they don't even get to the point where they realize they need to bring someone on staff, but they, or they need to hire a freelancer, but they realize they has, they have an issue that needs to be solved. The very first feeling is, oh my gosh, not one more thing. Or, and it's the same thing when um, a marketing director ha- is working with the company and a, a new project comes on and they have to they have to bring on freelancers. Oh God, I have to go find freelancers. Or frankly too, when the marketing director or a creative director uh, loses a copywriter or you know the creative person on staff, then it's, oh my God, now I have to fill this role again. Um, the thing is, is that on our side of the table, we forget that it is not easy to fill our positions. To It's not easy to find a copywriter. It's not easy to, to find someone to fill the needs that we have. So when I was in that role, if I had gotten an email from a Pinterest manager or a customer service person or anything along those lines who had offered me their services, told me a little bit about themselves, um, told me how they could benefit me as a business. If they had had a decent looking website or anything like that, that proved that they were a professional. And if in their website, in their email, they had shown me that they had done research into who I am and offered me some ideas. Ideas, I would have hired him a hot second. Now, we have Julie. So it did work out all right in the end. But what I want you to take away from this is that when you are pitching clients, you are not, you're not begging for work. You are providing a possible solution. The thing is, clients want you to pitch them. They are dying to have an easy solution to their problems. When a client needs a copywriter, and even sometimes before they realize they need a copywriter, to have a copywriter magically appear in their inbox with a pitch that is researched, that is well-written, that is enthusiastic, that is not salesy, that's not at all what we teach in our pitching process, um, but that also then provides value. Uh, it is not only is it kind of a breath of fresh air because there are cruddy pitches out there, but it's it's welcomed. So when you think of pitching, I don't want you to think of either being salesy and trying to force yourself on people to force them to hire you or on the other side of that coin, begging people for work because that's not at all what we're doing. What we're doing when we pitch is we are providing ourselves as the perfect solution to their copy problem. And we're saving them time, which as everyone knows, you know how valuable your time is. It's the same for anyone, whether they're a small business owner, especially they're wearing all of the hats. They don't have time left in their day for something that they need, or maybe that they're doing. And, and I've gotten this habit myself where you're, you're just go, go, go. And you don't have time in your day to go find someone who can fill a need that you have. You know, you have that need. You just don't have the space. You can't stop what you're doing, but you need to fill it. And you're in that space of, okay, what do I do? There's, there's literally no time to find someone, but so I'm just going to keep on doing it because I have to. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think the 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 great thing for for us as as freelancers is that we have this control where we can pitch the folks that we want to pitch. You know, as in contrast to the Upworks and the Fiverr, 
you're the one going out and deciding which businesses you want to pitch that you feel like you'd either A, want to work with, or B, you see an opportunity, you know, emails come in your inbox and you say, oh, you know, maybe this email didn't have a clear call to action and they have a real opportunity here to, to improve this, this email. Let me, let me pitch them on some ideas I have that could improve their email marketing. Um, you know, a lot of our students too think, well, this brand has really great copy. Like, what do I have to offer? Like they couldn't possibly need me because they've got the world's most awesome copywriter right now. Like, look at how great this is and how fun or whatever it is. But often these companies, you know, so many of the clients I work with, they also have other freelance copywriters because sometimes I want to take a vacation. <laughs> doesn't often happen, but um, when I can, you know, vacation or if I get sick or if I just don't want to take on a project, they need backup. So they're going to have a list of people that they can turn to that they know are are good and reliable. And, and um, you know, for folks that maybe have an on-staff team, I've been on staff and we've hired agencies and freelancers because there's so much work to do that one person or two people or even five people can't do it and they need additional support. Um, so there's so much opportunity there that, so one, don't make the assumption that they don't need a copywriter, but two versus an Upwork or a Fiverr, you're able to pick what you're interested in and not, you know, kind of, um, wait for it to fall in your lap. You are in control of your career and, and therefore your income as well. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we've talked about being part-time or full-time or side hustle. And that's the beauty of this. If you need to kind of slow down, which when I try to take those rare vacations, I start turning down some projects so I can have that time off. And then you kind of pick back up with your pitching. Um, but that's the, that's the nice thing. You can control those moments of when it's you're taking on more or less or, um, you need a little maybe income boost because you just bought a car and, you know, want to pay it off right away or whatever it is. Yeah. We talked about how the ratio on a yeah. ratio for a freelancer on Upwork or freelancer Fiverr, I knew this is really bad because it's one project and any number of different people bidding for that project. I love when, your bachelor analogy for this. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's like being on that TV show, The Bachelor. If you are The Bachelor... Yeah, you've got right. a really great situation going. It's one guy and 25 beautiful women. But if you're one of those beautiful women, it's you against 24 others. The ratio is crummy. So what we want to do is flip you from being in that the role of one of the 25 women or 25 men if we're watching The Bachelorette, you know what I'm saying here, uh, flip you from being one of, one of the many competing for one job to the other side of it so that it's one you and any number of opportunities. You know, we've talked in previous episodes about how how monumental and mind-blowing the opportunities really are. Like how many potential companies there are out there to pitch. January, as we started doing Pitch a Palooza, where we get our students all excited and um, really get them primed and ready to to start pitching um, and actually get them pitching, um, those who have not yet started pitching. And uh, as part of that, we go into how to just make a list of potential companies to pitch. And um, I think a lot of students kind of go into it like, oh, all right, I'm going to set aside some time. And 
invariably they come back and say, whoa, so I got to my list of 50. I think it was 50 we gave yeah, them. Okay, yeah. I got to my list of 50 and that went so fast. It just kept going. The There's so many opportunities out there um, that when you become the per- person who is pitching, you are in control of which opportunities. And like Kate was saying, you are in control of your timeline. You know, we always say you don't want to stop pitching ever because that is what leads to a dry spell down the road. You know, not pitching now means that in a couple of weeks or a couple of months, uh, when this work has slowed down, you're not going to have work. Um, so we always say that you want to keep pitching regularly, but um, that, that, being in control of how many pitches you send out and what clients you work with and what the timelines are. Remember that that when you're working with clients, you and the clients are um, collaborating on the timeline. You know, you're not going to pitch five clients. They're all going to come back and say, I need something tomorrow. This is just not how it works. Um, you're going to be working with each of those clients. And, you know, if you, you have a client come back and say, I need this tomorrow and you can't do it, you say, all right, well, I can do it next week. If not, maybe this doesn't work. But what I'm saying is, is that you, are in control of the opportunities. You are in control of how much work you're coming is coming in. You are in control of, of your income and your time and all that kind of thing. And that's whether you are a freelance, your full-time freelance, or whether you're doing it part-time or as a, as a side hustle. Um, and it's so much better <laughs> to be in control and to have a strategy for how work comes in than to be sitting back and hoping that you see a job listing or hoping that you get a referral or or hoping and wishing that somehow work drops into your lap. Um, and actually, that's another point is that I think people don't realize how few jobs are actually showing up on sites like Upwork or showing yes. up on Indeed or or monster if anybody still uses monster um what happens more often than not when when a company uh realizes that they need copywriting work is that they they ask their colleagues or they ask their friends or maybe they reach out to a recruiter or maybe but it's if you are sitting home looking for job listings on like I said, on Indeed or on Upwork or something like that, you were only ever going to see a tiny, tiny fraction of what's actually out there. And frankly, even the the projects that people realize they need are actually only a small fraction of the possible projects. Sometimes it will take, as Kate was saying, it will take a copywriter coming to a client with an idea for them to go, oh, that's exactly what I need yes, let's do this. Or sometimes even, oh, I didn't realize that copywriters existed. I didn't realize I could hire someone to write this for me. And then you are, you are the solution to that problem. And they're grateful to get your pitches. Yeah. And so many folks are worried about being annoying. Like, oh, aren't I going to annoy a business owner or a creative director or whoever you're emailing? because I'm getting into their inbox. First of all, no. Um, you know, if it's a well thought out pitch and it, it's adding value as it should, you know, it's not templated, which we can get into, but um, you know, you're, you're providing an easy solution and answer to a challenge or problem that they, they have. Um, 
and that's why they go on work upwork you know it's an easy way for the clients it's very easy for the clients that's why they do it um it's easy for the copywriter but not beneficial to the copywriter so if you're going to them you are you are giving them an easy way to to find something to find find an answer to that problem and quality uh, answer you're a yeah. copywriter versus who knows what they're going to find on upwork or freelancer or those yeah. And they might not reply to you right away, which I know students are like, oh, I've sent out however many pitches and no one's replied. And, you know, that might be part of the pitch. And we offer that support in the group to kind of workshop your first pitch, especially because, you know, the, doing the first of anything is going to be hard and there's going to be, um, you know, tweaks to make. Um, but folks that may not, maybe, you know, you hit on a need, maybe they don't have the budget right now, which, you know, or they just, you know, it's not the right time for whatever reason, they're going to keep your email though and say, okay, when I need a copywriter, when I can afford this, when I, um, which I don't even want to use that example because I feel like, you know, people get caught up in the budget thing too often. And, and they, another assumption, have, you can't yeah, make an assumption yeah. about what a company can and can't afford. You don't know yep. what's going on in that company. Exactly. <laughs> so important caveat there, but um, they're going to come back to you when they, when they have that need to fill. And so even if you aren't getting responses immediately, because you know you're not you might i mean there's just so many variables and there's so so much to consider that you 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 don't know and you might never know um and some yes aren't going to respond or you know people talk about ghosting in the professional world which is really unprofessional but that's obviously not someone you want to work with anyway if they're not going to take the time to reply back in any way um and so you're going to have those different responses, but for the most part, it, it works because you are offering that easy solution to mm-hmm. the problem that they may know they have, or to your point, don't even know what they don't know. How do you know what you don't know? Yeah. Yeah. You get you're philosophical. Not, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Philosophy 101. <laughs> you're not sending out mass emails. You're not sending yeah. out I feel cruddy like that's important. mass emails, credit templated emails or anything like that. You are taking yep. the time to write a, a personalized email and to, to research it. And it's clear that you care about this company, you're enthusiastic about this company, and you have ideas for how to improve this company. Again, you're not going to tell you're not going to write copy for them for free, but you can give them ideas for how you can benefit them and how their company can benefit. But you will never write, first of all, you're a copywriter. You can't write a mass email. <laughs> you're not demonstrating anything because of laziness if you're sending a mass email. Um, but number two, a mass email is what gets annoying. You know, I think it's you and I have talked about it in previous episodes. Yeah, it's, it's, it's spam. I don't want a mass email. And I know that sometimes our students get worried about if they're sending unsolicited emails to people. Um, you're sending one-off emails. If you were opting people into your email list and you were sending tons of emails to people who did never ask to be on your email list, then yeah, that would be spam. But you are sending one email to one person with a with a good idea and some in, in some some in, in a, some enthusiastic messaging. And then maybe if you don't hear anything back, not maybe, but if you don't hear anything back, you send one more email a little bit later on with another resource and also just checking in. So it's very, you're not pressuring anyone. You're not pushing anything. You are, you're offering a solution and you're offering it in a, a very, um, 
low-key way and you are providing value as you do it along with that solution. Um, you, like I said, you're not giving copy away for free. You're not giving away your services for free, but you are putting ideas in their head for how they could use you to benefit their business. And that is why our system of pitching gets our students so many clients and gets those clients rolling. Yeah. And to that point where you're not talking about you, you're not saying, give me a job. I want work. Um, I'd make a great copywriter for your team and reiterating your resume or doing, you know, a traditional cover letter where you describe your experience and why that's so great. You're focused on the business and something that you can bring, whether it's super low hanging fruit or if it's a deeper idea, whatever it might be, um, as you dig into the company, um, it's about them and it's about what hiring you will be able to do for them. Yeah. Yeah. It, maybe this is hammering it home even too much, but toward the beginning of, of the, the pandemic and, and really kind of in the middle of it too, we would have students say, Oh, you know, I'm, is it wrong for me to send pitch emails yep. to companies? I don't want to bother them. They're already dealing with so much. Um, so again, first of all, you're not you're not begging for work. You're not asking them to do you a favor. By sending a pitch email, you are in a way offering to do them a favor kind of, but they'll pay you for it obviously. But um but you are providing a valuable service. A business, even when when there's a pandemic or when the economy is bad, a business never forgets that it's doing business. It is always staying focused on doing business. So if you are coming in with a message for them about how you can benefit their business, it might even arguably be even better received in a time when the economy is bad. You know, when when things are especially challenging for business, they get hyper-focused on earning their revenue, hyper-focused, which means that unfortunately, sometimes things like um, things that are non-essential to making that revenue will get pushed aside or furloughed or, or laid off. And again, the it's terrible. Please do not get me wrong on that front. But what that means for copywriters is that when businesses get hyper-focused on selling, they get hyper-focused on their messaging. Um, you know, Kate has talked about how this has been her her highest revenue year yet or highest income year yeah. yet. And I can tell you that the first time that I hit six figures as a copywriter was in 2008 in the middle of the Great Recession right after I left a full-time job. Um, and you know, we don't, we never guarantee income because it's all on each individual copywriter to do the work and put themselves out there and follow the steps that we give you. But even in times when the world is crazy, businesses, people might be tempted to like put up their hoods and hide. Um, but businesses don't have the ability to do that. They are hyper-focused on what they have to do to survive. And as a copywriter, it is our job to support that and to say, hey, I had this idea for how you can get more clients, get more repeat clients, get more revenue from your current clients, that kind of thing. Um, you are you are a partner and you are an expert and you are bringing something to the equation that they don't have. Yeah. Um, and so you are, a pitch email is, is offering something valuable. 
Yeah, I can't tell you how many in my tiny little town I live in, how many restaurants that were dine-in only, didn't do takeout, you know, some some more formal places. Um, And they pivoted to doing takeout during the pandemic. But none of them communicated that to the community. And so there was such an opportunity where, you know, some of them started using Facebook and using their, their some, you know, months later, though, got savvy with some Facebook ads. And um, But at the beginning, it was such an opportunity to say, hey, you need to do have an email list. Can we tell your, you know, your customer base that you are now doing takeout and um, are you doing delivery? Are you partnering with with any delivery places or, um, you know, a couple started doing markets in their, in their restaurants where it was like, Hey, I know grocery stores, you know, the shelves were wiped out. You couldn't get toilet paper. Um, so lots were giving toilet paper away for free, which is very kind. But, um, one place I went to, I was like, I can't find any yeast. Cause like everyone else, you had some time to bake and I wanted to bake a loaf of bread. And the man was very kind. The restaurant, he's like, oh yeah, we're selling like anything I can get from my supplier. We're happy to then pass on to our customers. And so, but you had to ask. Yes. And it was a fresh yeast block, which I had never knew. I always had the packets of dried yeast amazing but you know in good quality meats and he they had everything that you couldn't find at the grocery store we're like if people knew this mm-hmm. what a benefit to them again connecting an audience with a need with the people that can deliver mm-hmm. it was such this like hello please communicate like this is this is amazing this is incredible mm-hmm. what you're doing and you need to let people know mm-hmm. yeah there's there's such an opportunity for us to to help businesses. Yeah. Um, you know, we have such a, such a specialized skill and such a valuable skill that there's such an opportunity for us to, to help build businesses in our community, build businesses online. So what we have to offer is valuable and people need it. So sending pitch emails is not, as long as you do them well, like we said, don't send mass emails, as long as you do them well, they are, they're well received. And I know sometimes too, when we start saying, well, they have to be personalized and you have to research and know that people go, whoa, it's going to be so much work. How am I going to do that? It's going to be so much. And yes, I will be totally honest with you. The first couple of pitch emails you write will take you a while. It's good. will take you a while, but it's, it's like, it's like anything. It's like a flywheel. Once you, once you get going, it's hard at first. And then as you start doing it more often, you get better at it. You get a little bit faster at it. You start seeing things that you can reuse. You're never templated. You're never writing the same thing again and again, but you start seeing elements that you can reuse ideas that you can reuse so that you get to the point where you can knock out five pitch emails, uh, no problem. And then that gets you churning and then it gets you more clients coming in. And maybe you get to the point where you have so many clients coming in that you can scale back your pitching, never stopping, but scale back your pitching. And I think an important thing, especially for the folks that maybe have landed some clients so far, maybe they've got a few, a handful, maybe a bunch, which is great, but the pitching doesn't stop once your project is complete, not only to not, you know, to make sure you have that regular screen stream of work, but once you've worked with a client, you have such an opportunity, you know, that client you've worked with them, you've seen a little insight into their business, you might have new ideas and pitching a client you've already worked with, you know, it's, it's 10 times easier than, than pitching 
a brand new client. They, they've, you've proven yourself. They like working with you. Hopefully they, you know, saw the value that you brought to the project. And so, you know, always be looking, you know, you have your pitch list of, of clients, but keep your, those clients you've pitched and maybe worked with, keep them on your pitch list. They don't just, you know, cross off, all right, check, checked off, we're done with them. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the perfect folks to continue pitching um, and looking for ways to add value, especially because you have that insight of someone who's worked with them now. Um, you can start to see yourself as you mentioned, strategic partner as, as copywriters. Um, and seeing ourselves as that versus just a, a uh, production factory is so, so important. Um, and so raising questions and not being afraid to say, hey, have you have you tried this? And maybe it's like, yeah, we did. And here's why we're not doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, fine, cool. But that's additional insight you now have that why, okay, if they're not doing that, then what about this? Um, and so it doesn't have to be as formal at that point necessarily. You know, you probably have some sort of rapport with them. Um, so being able to raise those those questions and opportunities and continue your conversation with them, that's another way to continue always having steady work. And frankly, I think a, a much um, easier way in sometimes, um, not that you want to stop pitching brand new folks too. And especially, uh, I can say that from experience, once you get to all referrals, that doesn't mean <laughs> you want that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, Yep, definitely. I want to carve carve out that time to to be able to pitch new folk because then you know I'm sure, I don't know if you feel this way. I'm curious to hear your take, but I feel like I get in this zone where, okay, I love what I'm doing, but I don't have I haven't given myself the space to look at other clients I might want to work with. There's something new, something different, something challenging, and so um, I, I've done that recently of scaling back so I can say, okay, what new things can I look out for now that I might really want to take on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. When you get to the point where you have most of your roster is filled with long-term clients where you know the business and yep. it's comfortable, comfortable. And you can yeah. deliver pretty easily. Yep. Um, yeah, you, you, it's, it's can be tempting to stay there, but you yeah. do want to, you always want something fresh. I mean, that's part of why what we do is fun is that there's new things to learn and new things to write and, and so many different types of companies and organizations to, to write for and that, that need our help, that it's always worth, always worth pitching. Even when, um, you know, you and I have been on staff, we've been contractors, we've been freelancers, but even when I have been on staff or been a contractor, I've always had freelance clients since I began 15 plus years ago. I have always had freelance clients because even when you're on staff, keeping freelance clients helps keep you fresh. So even when I was on staff, I was still pitching to land uh, part-time or side hustle kind of clients, evening and evening and weekend clients. Um, and we have plenty of students that um, don't even necessarily want to be full-time copywriters, but they like it. And they want to add a little, they want to add a little extra cash, or maybe they want to have kind of a backup in case things get crazy in the world again. Um, and so you can have that full-time job and still be pitching, not nearly as much as you will be pitching if you're full-time, but pitching periodically to get clients in. Yeah. yeah I think that's a great point. And I, I know we'll go into this in another episode later about kind of the safety of, of um, the illusion of safety of a full-time job. You know, it's very tempting. Okay. Landed a full-time job. I'm done by, by freelance. And, and maybe you do for a minute. Um, but by keeping up pitching, you know, you have that pitching becomes your safety net because there's no telling when a business, you know, 
um, with the, yeah, I mean, 20, again, not to reference 2020 a lot, but I think it's the perfect example of everything. But even outside of this year, you know, you never know when a business is going to change direction. You know, they're doing what's best for the business and they're not doing what's best for you. So you need to do what's best for you and your career and what you want. Um, and pitching allows you to do that and ensuring you're taking control of who you're pitching, how much you're pitching, how often, mm-hmm. um, what you're saying in the pitch. Because again, you know, some will come back right away, some might not, and and you can't predict the timing of things. Mm -hmm. Um, So by ensuring you're always doing it and being consistent and in that habit, you'll have that kind of safety net of of pitches that are out in the world, people you've connected with, people that um, maybe you've worked with and can pitch again, Mm -hmm. um, and gives you that that a lot more control than a non-staff job where you're frankly at the mercy of whoever's running the business. Well, you you know, even if you're, even if you're still on staff, but if you have big bills that come in, you know, if, or if you have, or if you decide this is the year you're fighting me, okay, not this year, but this is the year you're finally going to go to, to Paris or Mm -hmm. something like that. And, you know, you ramp up a little bit, uh, you ramp up your, your, pitching and then you get some more clients. So I want to read two reviews because I think they demonstrate the different timelines for people getting back and responding to pitches. You know, you never know if someone's on vacation, if it got lost in their email, you just never know what's happening. And so Carissa says, I'm sure nobody in here is doubting the system, but I sent out my first pitches last night and this morning I got my first reply. I'm meeting with a local specialty pet store next week which is awesome that they got back so soon. So clearly the power of a well-crafted pitch that really resonates with the person you're pitching to. Um, But alternatively, Abigail recently left a comment in the Students Only Facebook group and said, hello, I'm excited to start working with a big clothing brand in my industry on a regular basis. They've asked me to send an estimate for blogging and 12 to 15 social media captions a month. Um, And she goes on to kind of ask questions about the pricing for things. But she left a note that I thought was so fascinating and said, this was a callback from a pitch I made last year after taking the CCA course. And I followed up with a couple with them a couple of times. So I'm thrilled to begin working with this company. So the power of following up and also just the timelines that business is on. You never know that a pitch you send literally one month or, you know, two months later or a year later could come back and they say, Hey, we, we need copywriting help now. And, and guess what? You pitched them. And so they don't forget that necessarily. If they need that, that copywriting help and your pitch was a solid pitch, you just never know. Yeah. That's great. Those are, I love those reviews. Thank you. Okay, everybody, we've come to the end of another episode. If you have missed any of the previous ones, go back and listen to them. Uh, But if you've already listened to them, don't worry, because we have so many more to come. This is a full career, and therefore, there is a ton for us to cover. But uh, don't worry, Kate and I are here to cover it. So we will uh, see you next time. Thanks so much for joining us on the Build Your Copywriting Business podcast. If you liked what you heard, I'd really appreciate it if you could take a minute or two to leave us a five-star review. I read each one and they mean the world to me and our team. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. And if you want to keep learning, follow us at Filthy Rich Writer across social media and on the site. And of course, if your interest is piqued and you think copywriting might be right for you, check out our free on-demand video training at www.freecopywritingtraining.com. 
talk to you next time. 